You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Off and running on this Tuesday, September 29th. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York with you for the next hour. As we, of course, take you up until 6 o'clock, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin then. The number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And the uh, daily poll question will be going up shortly. Short and sweet today, right to the point. But we'll get to that in a little bit in case you're just getting up, just getting moving, right? Tuesday, and maybe you went to bed a little early last night. Maybe you didn't watch what was billed as the NFL game of the year, at least so far, right? Week three. The Kansas City Chiefs. The Baltimore Ravens. The back-and-forth offenses, right? High-flying. Well, in case you're just waking up, you should know. This is kind of going out, I guess, a little bit on a limb, but the Kansas City Chiefs are really good. The Kansas City Chiefs are a really good team, and they uh, won last night 34-20. Let's hope it was not actually the game of the year because it actually turned out not to be that great of a game. Pretty much over at halftime, Patrick Mahomes also, much like the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, really, really good. Five touchdowns for him. It really, the thing that stood out, and I, you know, you go into it and you figure the two quarterbacks, the two offenses is going to be back and forth, and it really didn't turn out to be that way. But it should almost be illegal to go from watching a Giants game, a Jets game, to watching Kansas City. I'd almost like the Jets and Giants to run some of the formations that Kansas City was running last night just to see how bad it would look. Just to see how off, would they even get the playoff in time? It would be, they'd be so confused. It was almost like giving an iPhone to a caveman last night watching, watching the Chiefs offense after what you watched over the weekend. It's just such a giant leap forward that it almost feels like you should not be allowed to go from one directly to... You should almost have to go to a way station. I don't know, watch some other... You know, a 500 kind of team that, you know, a little bit of a good offense, but not from, like, the absolute worst to the absolute best. And the Chiefs clearly are the absolute best. Now the inside track, because of the change in format this year, only one bye... So that's a big win for the Chiefs, and they have the inside track to get that uh, number one seed. And uh, I said going into last night, and just the, the state of the NFL this year, I think everybody would agree with this, it's basically Chiefs, Ravens, and everyone else. I guess the Seahawks are kind of up there as well. But I think the two best teams going into last night, you kind of felt like it was the Chiefs and Ravens. Well, those two might still be the two best teams, but it's pretty clear who's number one and who's number two? Lamar Jackson had a very rough night, had, I think, 35 yards passing at halftime. Didn't exactly get a whole lot of help from his teammate. Bunch of drops on the night. So there's a stat that's going around. I'm sure you'll hear it in the course of the day today. That since Lamar Jackson was drafted, the Ravens are 0-9 when trailing at halftime. And they're the only team without a win when trailing at halftime, which that stat sounds like, wow. That's, and really, what does that insinuate, right? What it, that insinuates that if they're trailing, Lamar Jackson can't lead them back because he's not that good throwing the ball. Uh, the problem with that stat is he didn't start in all those games. Like I think like three or four of those games, he, uh, he, he, it was Flacco that was starting. So it, it kind of like you would be better off, I don't know how many games he actually started. You should just go with the in the games that he has started – this is their record when trailing after halftime. Of course, 
I, I have to assume that his his record when leading at halftime turns out to be pretty good. And at least, I think, three of those games have come against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that kind of knocks down that stat even more. But uh, Lamar Jackson did play poorly. Um, I'm sure over the course of today, if not on this station and other media platforms, that you will get some crazy over-the-take top, uh, you know, over-the-top takes on uh, about Lamar Jackson. All I would know is that uh, you know what I'll take him. <laughs> Maybe it's because I watch the Jets and Giants every week, but you know what? If uh, if you don't want Lamar Jackson, I, I think I, I think I'd be all right with him. I think I'd be all right with him. And I think the Ravens, even despite last night and even the fact that he did play poorly last night, I think that they're going to be uh, all right with him. So the Chiefs do win on Monday night. Of course, now we can look ahead to Week Four in the NFL, which opens up on Thursday night. Do we have to look ahead to Week Four? Do we have to look ahead at all? Like, let's just let's just live in the moment. Let's just hope that uh, we don't have to focus so much on Thursday night. But no, of course, Thursday night, you know, it's going to be the Jets and Broncos. So once again, going from Jets Giants over the weekend to the Kansas City offense, and then downshifting quite clearly. You'd almost say hitting the brakes as hard as you can with both feet. You get the Jets and Broncos on Thursday night and report yesterday that if the Jets were to lose Thursday night against the Broncos, that Adam Gase would be fired. Now, this comes after the report from Chris Mortensen over the weekend that the uh, Jets brass, I guess, ownership, is looking internally at uh, all the things going on with Adam Gase and the coaching. I would say maybe just take a look externally. Like, look at the actual games, like taking place out on the field. Because through three games, even though there are still teams that have not gotten a win, even though you have the Falcons blowing in back-to-back weeks, double-digit leads in the second half, there's been no team that has seemed more in, ill-prepared, more, um, I, I don't even know, just discombobulated, uninterested in playing a sharp football game than the New York Jets. I mean, nobody has looked worse. It's not even close. You know, like... Up until last night, you could make the argument, you know, maybe the Chiefs are not the best team. Maybe the Ravens are the best team this year. Or maybe you can make the argument, you know, with the Seahawks, with Russell Wilson. Maybe they're... You cannot make an argument, not a, a, a coherent argument, about who the worst team is and not have it be the New York Jets. So it almost feels like that report, right, if the Jets lose Thursday to the Broncos, it just feels like at... Two and two together, right? Like they've been that bad. They've been embarrassed every single week. Now I can tell you that while the Jets might be getting ready to make a change, no one has called the Magic 8-Ball yet. The Magic 8-Ball, which obviously everybody trusts far more than either Adam Gase or Christopher Johnson, but the Jets have not so far. Now the day is still young. Maybe they might place a call if they want to. They, They know where I am. I'm sure they can find me. The Magic 8-Ball has not gotten a call yet. So we'll see if the Magic 8-Ball will be uh, standing on the uh, sidelines after Thursday. Certainly, the Magic 8-Ball could not do any worse. Even if somebody just threw the Magic 8-Ball at the other team, it, it would still be an improvement over what we've seen with the Jets. I would think... Now, look, here's the thing. The Jets actually should win Thursday. I know that's going to come as a shock, and it, I mean, with the way that they've played so far... Just to see them not look embarrassing would be just such a massive upgrade. But they really should win on Thursday night. 
I mean, the Broncos are down to their third. Here's how bad it is for the Broncos. They're they're actually they're, they've ruled it out. But at one point, they were toying with the idea of starting Blake Bortles. And I think that if they had enough time, that Blake Bortles would probably be their option at quarterback. It's just they they signed him recently. And um, so now they're going with either Jeff Driscoll or I don't – it's not Mark Rippon, but it's it's somebody Rippon. At this point, they might be better starting Elway. Just bring 65-year-old John Elway down from the uh, wherever he is and, and just start him at quarterback. So the Jets should win on Sunday – or excuse me, on Thursday. This is a game, even though they're under – the underdogs is because they've just been so embarrassing. But they have a better team than the Broncos. So really, it's a conundrum for Jet fans because I think there's a section of them that would like to at least see their team play well but now you have an extra thing riding on it in that if you were to lose, at least you would be rid of the coach. Here's the thing. At this point, you, you just got to take your medicine, Jet fans. And I know it's not medicine you want to take, but it, it's the situation you find yourself in. It's that this is your coach. The season is already lost. And you're going to have to go into the offseason and, and start from scratch all over again. And at least this time you'll start from scratch, it certainly seems like, with a, a GM that a majority of fans still have a lot of faith in, despite the fact the team has uh, virtually no talent. So the last, thing you need, the last thing that you needed last year was what you got, was a strong second half, so that, the, so that the fan base, but more importantly ownership, could delude themselves into thinking, hey, you know what, the, 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 the light switch went on, and now it's going to be onward and upward. That's not the case. We've gotten to this year. This year looks almost exactly like last year. Last year, lost the Bills in the opener. This year, lost the Bills. Now, last year, at least you had a lead on the Bills. This year, you look like you didn't even know you, you had a game against the Bills. Wait, wait, we're playing the Bills today? That Right now? Yeah, you were playing the Bills that day. And you were completely ill-prepared for it. And, and it showed. It showed. So then, last year, right after that game, Sam got mono, went down for three games, and you, you, you lost. You weren't competitive in any of them. And then he came back, and then you beat the Cowboys in week five. This year, Sam is healthy. Everybody else is hurt. It looks like, now look, the Broncos you should be able to beat. But if you, you lose those three games, then week five, it certainly seems like that you would have a chance to at least get healthy. I don't know who they play in week five. But you would think that the team would start to look a little bit better once you get Le'Veon Bell back, Crowder, who might play on Thursday. We'll see. So at least then you would have whatever options you actually do have back, and uh, and, and Perriman might be back by week five, so who knows. All right, so there you go. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. But, of course, the big story, the real story, the focus is all about the Yankees because they play tonight. A game we will have right here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Big matchup, big series against the Indians. And the poll question is short and sweet, right to the point. Do the Yankees win tonight? Because if they win tonight, right, best of three series, you would think they got a pretty good shot of winning that series and then moving on. And the regular season was not what anybody would want for the, well, I shouldn't say that. 
it's exactly what most people who are not Yankee fans wanted, right? Some way that you can portray the season as disappointing, which it was. Or it's, it's funny to me. The Yankees had a disappointing regular season, but you won't really see it so much portrayed as disappointing as you will failure, disaster, fiasco. I mean, it was disappointing. It was not what you wanted, but they made the playoffs. They're in the tournament, and now it's about whether or not they can go out and flip the, the switch and start to perform like you expected that they would perform over the course of the regular season. So coming up, we'll get into the Yankees, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's squeeze in a couple calls here before we go to uh, traffic. Let's get late before we uh, even uh, stay on turn. Matt is in Queens. Matt, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Gordon. What's up? Just a, just a quick comment. This is, this is football. If you take Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and I've, been, I've seen every Super Bowl on TV. That's how long I'm watching football. Okay. There's, there's never been a – there's never been – a quarterback this young who played this good on a team that's this good with this good of a coach in football history. I've been thinking about the teams like San Francisco. No, Brady didn't have the stats that Mahomes has. Uh, Terry Bradshaw didn't. I mean, I, look, uh, I, I'm going to say this because I'm going to say this because I'm a Dolphin fan. But the first three years of Dan Marino, I mean, he threw 48 touchdown passes when the previous record, I believe, was 32. So, I mean, that was but not just breaking the, the record. Team. Yeah, but, but they didn't have the defense, but they had a coach at that time that people, you know, two-time Super Bowl winning coach in Don Shula. Um, I would think that that would be the, you know, in terms of the quarterback being this young and this good this quickly. I think that that would be the nearest competitor. But you're right. I think that the, in terms of the perfect storm, right, coach, system, weapons, quarterback, I think Defense. that, yeah, the Chiefs are the ones. Yeah. Inter- it's interesting. All right, man. Yeah. Have a great day. All right, man. Thanks for the call. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. D is in Queens. D, what's going on, my man? Well, it's funny that that guy just brought up the Chiefs. How the hell is Eric B. Enemy not sitting on one of the New York team sidelines? And then Deshaun Watson is – think about what the Jets could have been. You could have Eric Bieniemy as a coach and Deshaun Watson as a coach. Here's what – D, D I, I, you know, I hear this a lot about Eric Bieniemy, and I think that uh, – I mean, he's obviously had some coaching interviews in the past. Uh, he did not get the uh, the Jets or the Giants job, obviously. Just for the people who want Eric Bieniemy to get the Jets job, I would simply ask, why do you hate Eric Bieniemy? Like, why would you – like, Eric Bieniemy at this point, I feel like, should be able to get a better job than the Jet job. No? Like, what What are you – everybody brings that up about Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond should coach the Knicks. Why do you hate Becky Hammond? She should get a better job for her sake. I got one other thing to say. Okay. You know, the media had a perception of Cam Newton. Always mm-hmm. remember, Dave Gettleman was his GM for most of his career at Carolina. So, okay. you know, people need to understand that. Like, you know, maybe – it wasn't him because we're seeing what's going on in New York right now with the Giants. It's a disaster. Yep. No, there's no question about that, D. Thanks for the call. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it certainly seems like only a matter of time. And, and you know, if I were the Jets, I would not fire uh, Adam Gase. I, I would let him ride out the season. And I at this point, I got to take my medicine. And my medicine is this team – is at ground zero. This is not like we have you have anything at this point that you're like, okay, this is established. You're at, at, at scratch. I mean, you are at ground zero of a rebuild. So the best way moving forward is to make sure I have that number one pick. 
Uh, that's If that's the only thing I get out of this season, I have to walk away from this season having the number one pick. That's all that's a lot. That's, I mean, what else is left? You're not going to be competitive. And anything that you get in terms of competitiveness is almost like fool's gold again. You got fooled last year. You can't get fooled again this year. This team stinks. They got a long way to go. And Joe Douglas, who got a six-year contract, boy, oh, boy, he's going to need all six years. He's going to need all six years. There you go, Jet fans. Don't stop believing. Little uh, Steve Perry, little uh, journey for you. Was that, like 1983-ish, I guess, right? Don't stop believing. And don't stop that coach from being your coach. That's the last. I mean, the last thing the Jets would need, right? Like, say, I don't know who they would end up giving the head coach job to. I would assume it would have to be Greg Williams. Despite, I mean, talk about failing upward. I mean, that defense has been just as abominable as anything else on it. It's not like that's been good. It's not like the second half. But at least the second half of last year, you saw the defense look actually halfway decent. Uh, so I, I guess that that would be the guy that you would give uh, the uh, coaching reins to. But no, I would say the and, and 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 this year, it certainly seems like this year, if the Jets were to win three games. Then the first pick, if you lose to the Broncos, there's a very good chance that's it, right? Like you'll never be able to overtake the Broncos again in terms of getting the first pick. And if if there's anything, I guess the first thing you would want is the coach fired. But shortly behind that, I think would be the number. You know what? I would say even more so than the quarterback, the 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 head coach fired. I would want the the, the first pick. If you here's the thing about tanking in the NFL, and it doesn't get brought up enough. It really is kind of the, the benefits in the NFL is probably better than in any other sport because if you are the worst team, you get the number one. You don't got to go into some lottery. You don't have to take your chances. And if you hit on a pick, especially a quarterback, with that first pick or whatever pick you're making, you basically can keep that guy for his entire career. You have the ability to just keep paying the guy. So that's better than the NBA system. Now, the, the, the one star player in the NBA obviously has a greater impact because of the number of the guys the court. But still, there's big benefits. So uh, Jets-Broncos Thursday night. I did not think I was going to be spending this much time. And it's probably a bad idea to be spending this much time on the Jets and Broncos. But somebody uh, tweeted me, well, how can you say that the, the Jets should win? First off, again, the Broncos are terrible. The Broncos have eight guys. I don't know if they're all starters, but a lot of them are on injured reserve, including Von Miller. They're going at quarterback with either Jeff Driscoll or Brett Rippon. Be honest. I guess I think I've heard of Jeff Driscoll before. But if I said to you last week, Jeff Driscoll, football player or NASCAR driver, I feel like a lot of you would have said NASCAR driver. Jeff Driscoll sounds like a NASCAR. It doesn't sound like a quarterback. You know, some guys have a good quarterback name. Jeff Driscoll is not one of them. That is not out of central casting. And I would think that uh, if you had a script with uh, Brett Rippon as the starting quarterback, they would send that back for a rewrite too. Sam Darnold has a great quarterback name, just as not been a great quarterback. So, look, you should this is you have a Broncos team that's already 0 and 3, have probably started to, you know, realize that the season's going sideways here. And I don't know. Maybe Sam Darnold's completely lying when he goes on with Kay and Don and Peter. But it sounds like he really likes Adam Gase. And it's pretty clear at this point, if if you like the guy, 
and you don't want the guy to get fired and, and the season just turned to chaos, then you have to go out and play your best football this week. You have the Broncos flying across the country for in a short week with maybe, a, I mean, it, it, I know he's their backup, but is he really a backup? Whoever they go with, it's not really a backup quarterback. So you really can't complain about the weapons when the other team, your, your weapons when the other team is starting either Jeff Driscoll or Brett Rippon or Brett Driscoll or Jeff Rippon. They could start any of those four, and uh, it would still, you would have a huge. You have to have a huge edge in terms of the quarterback there, right? I mean, don't you have to? All right. I think that's an, I, I think we've alien enough, alienated enough of the audience by talking about the Jets and the Broncos. So let's move on to the Yankees postseason, which begins tonight. Of course, we will have the game for you, all the games right here, as long as the Yankees run goes. Hopefully it is a run. Hopefully it's not like a little jaunt. Hopefully it's not a little saunter. Hopefully it's not just sticking your toes in the water. And it is a postseason run. For however long it goes, we will have it for you right here. 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, your home for the baseball playoffs. Uh, So, look, I have no idea really what to expect. And I think that most people kind of feel that way, right? Could the Yankees go out tonight and get just completely shut down by Shane Bieber? Absolutely. Shane Bieber is having one of the greatest seasons for a pitcher ever. Now, it's only 60 games, so that's not really his fault, obviously. But he struck out 122 guys in 77 innings this year. He won the the triple crown of pitching. His ERA was 1.63. His whip, if it's under one, it's good. His is under .9. It's nuts. So could he go out there tonight and just absolutely shut them down? Of course. And here's the thing. Usually, if you'd say, all right, well, the Yankees just got to follow the old formula, the old old Pedro formula, right? Get this guy's pitch count up, get into the bullpen, and then you hammer the bullpen guys. The problem is the Indians' bullpen, at least in terms of actual performance over 60 games, was better than the Yankees' bullpen this year. So you really can't even follow that formula. So would it surprise anybody if the Yankees went out tonight and got shut down by Shane Bieber? Not at all. Would it surprise anybody if the Yankees went out and scratched across a couple of runs or hit a big home run off Bieber? I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be stunning. And here's the thing, because if the Yankees do end up going out tonight and getting shut down, here's what's going to – I'm going to forecast. I don't even need the Magic 8-Ball. I can forecast – What's going to be the conversation on shows, with callers, with hosts? Well, you know, the problem is the Yankees are, are, are all or nothing. Against guys like Shane Bieber, you, uh, you can't go for the big home run. You have to try and, and scratch out some hits. That's ridiculous. Shane Bieber this year gave up 14 earned runs. That's it. 14. Seven came on home runs. Now, I, I don't know the, the breakdown of the home runs, but I got to assume they weren't all solo shots. So half of the earned runs that Shane Bieber gave up this year came on, on, on home runs. So, yeah, assuming uh, you're going to score any runs against him, getting one pitch and doing damage with that pitch is the way to go. So this Yankee team, to me, and I'm hoping I am wrong. 
does not really have the look of a team that's ready to bust out, clicking on all cylinders, that has all three aspects of the team playing well. The bullpen has been shaky at times, and I could absolutely see that being uh, an issue at some point. You know, close game, one-run game, Yankees have a lead, the bullpen comes in. Because, I mean, outside of really Britain, there's not been a guy that you say, all right, I feel really confident with him on the mound this year. Just hasn't been the case. The defense, I could certainly see the defense, which has been an issue over the last half of the really all season. That could obviously be the case. So I don't have a lot of high hopes for this Yankee season, mainly because they have they had the stretch at the beginning of the year and they had this 10-game stretch. But outside of that, it, they have not really had any level of consistency. It's not even that they, they, they didn't win. It's when they played, when they didn't win, they played so poorly that it's kind of hard to have some level of confidence that they're just going to be, you know, like regular bad. They need to be a whole lot better than that and a whole lot more consistent than that. Even the lineup, which is the number one. I mean, here's the thing. People will bring, if, 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 again, I'll predict the future. If for some reason Garrett Cole goes out tonight and just pitches mediocre, let's say he gives up uh, three runs in seven innings. The focus, oh, you know, the starting pitching, the Yankees, the starting pitching. It's always the starting pitching in the postseason. No, it has not been the starting pitching in the postseason. It has been the offense. And even this year, the offense has not been great. You know, even though Judge and Stanton have been back, they've not really been Judge and Stanton. Judge has not looked like Judge. Stanton has looked like Stanton. Unfortunately, it's been playoff Stanton. That's been the problem there. So, uh, I don't know. With the Yankees, the first thing, the most important thing, if they're going to have a deep run, is about the offense. That is not really, you know, the Yankees' bats go cold in October, and that's been the number one thing. So, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm not expecting it. I don't. I keep hearing about well, you know, the Yankees have expectations because they always have expectations. Well, it's generally because they they played well over the course of the regular season. They have not. They did not really play all that well over the course of this regular season. Now, the one decision which it seems is still up in the air is about the lineup tonight, and it's about either going with Brett Gardner or Clint Frazier. Frazier really slumped at the end of the year. I think he went one for his last twenty, and Gardner. Uh, really was really, really hot at the end. So which way do you go? Do you go with the, the young guy or do you go with the, the veteran? Well, I, I will just simply ask you this. How does the slash line 196, a 196 batting average, a 260 on base, and a 252 slugging percentage sound? That doesn't sound good, right? And if I gave you that slash line, I say, who is that associated with? 196, 260, 252. You probably would think Gary Sanchez, who had an, an absolutely brutal regular season. No, it's actually worse than Gary Sanchez's line. That 196-260-252 is what Brett Gardner has done in the playoffs in his career. Brett Gardner's been a good Yankee. He's a scrappy guy, defensive replacement at this stage of his career, has had some moments during the regular season. I have lived long enough to see the last of non-competitive at-bats in the postseason against top-flight pitchers from Brett Gardner. I do not need to see it anymore. I don't know. Clint Frazier might go out and strike out four times and go 0 for 4. I'm willing to take that chance because I have a better confidence level in him running into one than I do with Brett Gardner. You want to put Brett Gardner in the game, late in the game, defensive replacement for Frazier? No problem with that. Go right ahead. 
But in terms of a bat, I don't. The Yankees are the team that doesn't believe in hot, right? They don't believe in hot. How many times do they have a guy who's the day before hit two home runs and the next day, well, we don't really believe in hot. So let's give him a day off. He needs the rest. Get off your feet. So then if you don't believe in hot, you shouldn't believe in cold. Don't believe in cold. Go with the guy who helped get you to this point this year. Clint Frazier was one of those guys. So uh, I would hope that they put Clint Frazier. I don't have a halt. Speaking of not having high hopes for something, I don't have high hopes for a Yankee postseason run. Uh, and I don't have a high hope that uh, Clint Frazier is going to start tonight. So maybe they'll surprise. Maybe we'll finally see some uh, benefit to the change at manager, right? When they let Joe, Joe uh, Girardi walk and brought in Aaron Boone, it was supposed to be because his outlook, his, his, pers- his way with people was going to help the team blossom. Well, this is year three. I'm still waiting for that, that blossoming. His boy, that's a slow blossoming. Let me put you there. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So the poll question, which is up for today, is on Twitter. Is all about, do the Yankees win tonight? I am going to go with nope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I, I don't think they win tonight. So uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping by saying that publicly, they will not win tonight. They will not. The Yankees will not win tonight. I'm hoping that I put that out into the universe and the universe proves me wrong. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, some Yankees, some Jets. If you want to talk about the Giants, you certainly can. Let's go out to uh, Lewis's in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon. How you been, man? I'm good. How are you? Hey, listen. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about the Denver Broncos anymore. Uh, you know, we don't have Von Miller. He's done for the season. Bradley Chubb is not really coming through like we thought he would. John Elway just keeps being the worst GM, president, everything in between. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dave Gettleman, we will not no. stand for you stepping on Dave Gettleman's toes on that, my friend. I don't care what you have to say. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, man. You don't understand, man. John, like John Elway is killing the Broncos from the inside out. He's, he's so horrible. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just, uh, my, the amount of money he pays some of his quarterbacks, and they're so bad. Yeah, no, no. Listen, he's he's gotten that wrong a thousand times. Yes, yes. You know, you know. I don't. I want the Denver Broncos to keep losing. Obviously, where everyone's in the room for, for Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. But sure. if we if we don't beat the Jets, man, I, I might just have to put away my jerseys. I might not watch. No, the no, 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 no. This isn't no, a baseball season. This isn't a Knicks season. This is football. You don't get you can't call yourself a big football fan of whatever team and you're not sitting there on Sundays watching the game. You can't blow it off. It There's only 16 it, it, of them a year. I you know I I you know I get on the truck every day and I hear Jets fan calling in how much you hurt. You guys been sucking forever, but we at least are a decent football team. And watching my team just being just drowned out every single week sucks, man, and it hurts so much just to sit there and watch. Like, I, I literally just sit on the TV and my wife's like, oh, you know, are they doing good? I'm like, no, stop asking me, please. They suck. Right. I just, just uh, I, I'm, I don't know. Listen, if they lose, yeah, you're right. I mean, who am I kidding? I'm probably just going to keep at least keeping track of the team. You, I don't you would have to say if they lose, the whoever loses the Jets-Broncos game would have the inside track. Now, it's only four games. But the winless teams this year, Falcons, Vikings, Giants, 
the Eagles are 0-2-1, but I, I don't think that they're at that level. Uh, Broncos, Texans, and the Jets. You'd have to say, if though, out of those teams, whoever loses the Jets and Broncos yeah. game, the Jets with no talent at most positions, the Broncos no talent at quarterback, and a, hun- a ton yeah. of guys banged up, they would have the inside track to the number one pick. But By, by the way, uh, last week, when I don't even know who that other guy was. When he came in, I, I come back and I'm like, who is this guy? What just happened? Brett like, Rippon? Is that the guy who yeah. went in? I, I didn't watch much of the know, Broncos this year. I got to be. Dude, I didn't even know who he was. I didn't even know he was on our team. Like I was like, all right, you know what? I obviously I'm so out of touch now that I don't. Even, I I used to be like the guy that could name the whole roster, but now I'm just kind of like, God, I don't even know who half these people are. So bad. Anyways, thanks for taking my call. All man. right, Lewis. There you go. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Um, I, I would say like, you would say. The Texans should – they've had a very tough schedule, and they blew that game against the Steelers. They just couldn't stop the run in the second half on Sunday. So they're 0-3, but they're more talented. And you know what? You want to talk about bleak outlooks, right? The Texans are 0-3, and you realize they do not have not only their first-round pick this year, they don't have their second-round pick either. They traded both of those last year and this year to Miami for uh, Laramie Tunsil. So their their season certainly seems pretty bleak right now. The Broncos, as I said, they're terrible. But um, the Falcons, you would think, are going to – I mean, they're able to get leads. They just can't hold. It's like uh, Jerry Seinfeld. You can take the reservation. You just can't hold the reservation. And that really is the most important part of the reservation, the holding of the reservation. The Falcons can get the lead. They just can't hold the lead. And that really is the most important part of the lead, the holding of the lead. 15 seconds left. Rebound Radulov behind the net. Right circle Hayskin and right point Klingberg shoots. Blocked! It's out of the zone! Into the neutral zone! Eight seconds left! Buckley Goodrow after it! Shoots wide right of the open net. Time ticks down! The Lightning win the Stanley Cup! They have reached the top of the mountain! They are the Stanley Cup champs! Wow. He sounds like a guy who's like screaming in his house. I mean, you, there's no fans there. It's so weird. I guess that's how you have to play it, right? How often do you win this Stanley Cup? It just sounds so strange. What was the what's the credit on that uh, audio there, Brian? 970 WFLA. There you go. So the Lightning. I know this is going to come it came as news to me that the the hockey playoffs were still going on as of last night. They're over now. They they won, I don't know if you heard, but they won the Stanley Cup, so it's over. I, you know what I'm interested in? When they had the, they, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't socially distance in the uh, post game. They, they hand out the trophy. You know the, the hockey fans. Oh my God, they love the unveiling of the cup. The guy with the gloves. Oh my God, they're gonna unveil the cup. They go crazy for it. It's like woof. It's like a drug. So they, um, they did that. I'm assuming, right? I don't know. I was asleep. I have to get up. You know how early I get up? I'm not staying up for that. But did they boo Batman when they presented the cup? I know it's the the virtual fans, but if you're going to try to make it as realistic as possible, has there ever been a time that Gary Bettman did not get booed by the hockey fans? I don't think so. Not not to, I'm not I'm not Donnie Pucks, obviously. Don LaGreco would be the one to to know have this knowledge. I'm not. But I don't I don't ever remember it. I feel like if it ever happened that Gary Bettman walked into an NHL arena and people cheered I feel like that would lead Sports Center because I don't think that's ever happened ever in life. All right, so there you go. 1-800, your moment of inspiration. But seriously, though, 
congratulations to the NHL by getting the entire season in, right? Like there was a lot. I remember having lots of conversations. Is hockey ever going to be back? Are they ever going to be able to finish the season? Is it going to be something that you're just not going to be able to do? They did it. They got through it. And I don't think that they ever have any real scares. Didn't seem like it. Now, again, I'm not the the greatest NHL observer. I'll be honest and, and tell you that right up front. But I don't feel like with their bubble that they really had any uh, scares at any point where it's like, uh uh-oh, some positive tests. This is going to shut things down. I don't think they shut things down at all. Again, I'm not the best judge. All right, so the Yankees, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Poll question today is, are they going to win tonight? And you'd think, right, if you win tonight, not that it's a one-game thing, but you, you think, right, if you win one game, you should be able to win one more. Uh, against the Indians, or if the Indians win tonight, very good chance that they win the series. Two things, expectations and excuses. I, I touched on this briefly yesterday that I keep hearing, especially hosts, say, you know what, the Yankees have no excuses this year. There's no excuses for the Yankees. They have to perform now. They have to go out and win a World Series. They're the Yankees. They have to win. What is this year? Explain to me, when was this year where the Yankees didn't have expectation? Like when the Yankees got into the playoffs, and if they didn't win, that people would say, ah, you know what, you got to cut them some slack. Ah, you know what, it's not that bad. No, it's every single year. They know that. I know that. You know that. If they don't win, there will be no excuses. And I'm not saying that there should be excuses. I'm just saying that there, there, it's never been a confusion point that, oh, my gosh, do the Yankees deserve to have some excuses? No, there's never any excuses. They have to win. We realize that. And if they don't win, it won't but just be that they lost to a better team or the Indians, by every measure, are a better team. They had a better record. I know it's not by much. They have the home field, even though it's not with fans. But they were the better team during the regular season. And if they go out and Shane Bieber pitches like he has over the course of the year and shuts down the Yankees and then they get shut down and lose another game, I don't know really what else you want to say. Just because you lost doesn't mean that you're putting up excuses. But nobody's under the impression that the Yankees are going to have any excuses. Don't worry, guys. All the Met fans out there whose team finished in last place and were an embarrassment and stumbled along their way throughout the court where everybody basically made the playoffs, now they finally have this hammer that they can hammer the, well, you know what, there's no excuses. Don't worry. We realize. We've been through this before. This is not our first rodeo. Uh, The expectations, that's the other part of it. I don't know that I have. The Yankees have high expectations. You'll see that. You'll read that. High expectations for the playoffs. Do do you really have high expectations? I don't know. I feel like, you know who has high expectations? The bandwagon Yankee fan. The Yankee fan who doesn't really know what goes on during the regular season, doesn't really pay attention, and then when the playoffs starts, they go out and get their, their Jeter jersey, they throw that on, and they pretend like they're this big diehard fan. If you were living and dying with the team over the for the most part over the course of the sixty games, I don't know that you have that many high. Your hope you have high hopes, right? You're hoping that the the offense is going to click. You hope that the defense doesn't cost you. You hope that Cole goes out and pitches like the the guy who's making five billion dollars. You hope these things, but I don't know that you have an expectation that yes, you absolutely have to win this. You have to win that. You have to do this. You have to win a World Series. I don't know that that's the case. All right, let's get some more calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Neil is in the Bronx. Neil, what's going on? 
Uh, good morning, Gordon. I, I'm going to pick the Yankees to win. I believe we're going to see the October Garrett Cole out okay. of the mound today, even though he's uh, competing against a very good pitcher. Mm-hmm. And number two, um, I want I want to get your take on this because in the playoffs, normally the the new Yankees, uh, uh, when you get to the Yankees, you normally get your Yankee stripes in the playoffs to be called yourself a Yankee. I personally feel that Stan has not gotten that right to be called a Yankee yet. He hasn't proved well, himself in the playoffs. He's always injured. He's not coming through in the clutch when we need to. So I don't think Stan earned the right to be called himself a Yankee. Well, he is a Yankee, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, no, you're right. I mean, he's been, you know, the expectation when he got here was that he was going to somehow put them over the top, and that clearly has not happened. And he has been brutal in the postseason. And uh, it's just not been good. And unfortunately, he he's not only actually a Yankee; he's going to be a Yankee forever. Uh, he hit that contract. I don't know what just to to take on that contract. I know you didn't give up anything to get him, but to take on that contract right after you got out of the whole uh, albatross that was a Rod's contract at the end just didn't make a whole lot of sense. It was a repetition of of the skills you already had, and it was not the way I would have went. And so far, so bad. <laughs> Sometimes it's so far so good. No, this is so far so bad. Let's. Ho- Here's the thing, though. It's a fresh season. It's a fresh start. It's a three-game series. All Giancarlo Stanton has to do is run into one. Run into one, and the narrative will change quite quickly. So let's see if that happens. Uh, nose over till. I don't know what that means, but he says that uh, Bettman, I think he meant Beckman. He says Bergman. Uh, Bergman did not get booed at the NHL Stanley Cup uh, presentation. I don't know if Bettman did, but I don't think so. And they had 33,000 tests in the bubble, zero positive tests. So there you go. Uh, if you can't rely on somebody on Twitter who you, you don't even know their, 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 their handle, then uh, who can you trust? Spike is in Jersey. That's who you can trust. Spike, what's going on? Well, I thank you, um, Michael K. Trivia Champion. Yes, of course. Let's not ever forget that. Like what Brian has, obviously. The- there we go. He's a little slow on the switch this morning, but it's and, Tuesday, uh, you know? <laughs> and uh, some Plothenburg, uh, whatever, living legend. Okay. Living legend, yes. Whitney, sing it with me. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Spike. Something, the music, it's something. very obtrusive. Go ahead. It's, uh, something about Whitney that just makes you feel good. Really you know, you could make the argument, I know this is off topic, in terms of female singers, she's the best one. I don't care. Yeah. That voice. She could, you know, as they say, sing the phone book. She would. She sounds amazing. She's she's right up there with Karen Carpenter for me. It was a magnificent voice, also. But okay. uh, yeah, yeah, they're two two great great uh, female vocals. Unfortunately, we have to listen to them on some pre recorded device. That's yes. sad. Okay, so here's the way I feel. Let's cheer it up a little bit. Uh, don't tell anybody, but I've watched these playoff games already. They're on delayed tape, so I only tell you so you can get your nap in. Three to one Yankees first game, and when you said Stanton runs into one, I hope it's not a wall if he's forced to play in the outfield. No, and they can't put him in the outfield. You think he'll play Gardner or he'll play uh, uh, the Red Hat Kid? Oh, I think they're going to play Gardner. Uh, they so, have this. They, have, I mean, I don't know. They they love them some Brett Gardner, man. And I, he's I, I cannot take it. He's hit three ninety in the last. 40th bats or 30th okay. bats. Okay, that's man, great. He, but yeah, but no. see, that's the thing, Spike. The Yankees don't believe in hot. They don't believe in streaks. They don't believe in hot. They believe, you know, that you perform and you perform, and that's why they give people rest the day after they hit two home runs, and they don't believe in hot. 
Well, listen, as diehard Yankee fans, let's just believe in the analytics. They pay these guys and ladies a lot of money to, 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 to go through these numbers. I mean, they must mean something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. hope that they – I, I fully expect that uh, that Gardner's going to start. And, uh, look, much like putting out into the universe, the Yankees will lose. Maybe Brett Gardner runs into one, right? I mean, that's not uh, – it's not unheard well, of that he – I mean, he, they don't listen. have too many lefty bats. I, I got to tell you something. Brett Gardner, over his career, I know he's winding down or winded down, but he's, he's been a pretty clutch player. He's been a terrific outfielder in playoffs. I mean, he's made some great catches. That's great. He's been brutal at the plate. I mean, I gave you the numbers before. I mean, series after series, year after year. It's, you know, it's, this is not like a small sample size of playoff yeah. experience. They're in the playoffs just about every single year, and he does not perform every single year. Nobody minute. does. But, well, I mean, no. his bat- bats are so uncompetitive. Yeah. But the Yankees don't hit in the playoffs because you're no, playing these better pitchers. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. I'll take my chances with Cole over Bieber. I don't care what Bieber did in the National League this year. I'll leave it at that. I'm very positive. I think the Yankees are going to beat this team uh, the two out of three or, or two straight or whatever it is. So enjoy right. the games. We'll talk later. All right, later. Spike. We'll see. All right, Spike. Yeah, I think Spike meant American League, but no, he said National League. You know, they do uh, – this is a little, maybe a little inside radio, but each show – that's on our station. They do a rundown for the show. You know, like this segment, they talked about this, this segment, they talked about, I can't wait to see the rundown for my show. If I get to see it today, uh, Gordon and Spike talk about Karen Carpenter. That, that'll be, that'll be the highlight of my day. That'll be the thing that I will remember from this date for the rest of my life. I have highlighted, I have pointed out, I've been like a, a voice shouting in the wilderness that there has been a cult within the NFL, and it has to do with Sam Darnold. Jet fans of a certain, I don't know, group, they look at the situation with the Jets, and they absolve their fearless leader, Sam Darnold, of all blame. And, you know, generally, it started out, I think, you know, as the fringe. It's the outsider. It's the, the you know, the person that you really wouldn't take advice from. But it's been growing. The numbers have been growing. It's been going up. It's not been going down. It's been going up. And now the cult has gotten a very big voice, very big voice, with a huge platform. And that voice, that platform, is Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn Johnson has been sucked in to the Sam Darnold cult. Here's Keyshawn. Jets doesn't have a bad quarterback. They have bad players around and a bad coach coaching the quarterback. I think the quarterback, he has all the tools. See, Sam was a top five pick. The Jets were not the only team that looked at him as a top five pick. Mm-hmm. There's other teams in the league that looked at him as a top five pick. Some couldn't go get him. So the Jets were not wrong about the player and the pick. They were wrong about the coach and about putting players around him. Now, the players that surround him are not all on Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas just got there. Mm-hmm. So his time as a general manager has, you know, hasn't come full circle for him yet. He's been there two years now. Yep. You've got to let him build his roster the way it needs to. But the coach is supposed to be able to coach whoever they put out on the field. Uh, players within their locker room are not warming up to Adam Gase. You could just tell. Okay, well, I don't disagree with Keyshawn on anything that he says about the coach. The, the idea that, that somehow the quarterback is not to blame for any. It's just the coach. It's just the organization. Well, let me ask you this. We can all agree Mike McCagnum was terrible at drafting players, right? But you're saying there's no question that he got that one right, though. No question that he got that one right. 
If if it's all it's all bad with the Jets, and that includes the quarterback. Everything is bad with the Jets. That includes the quarterback. You can't absolve the and to think, well, you know what? He was going to be a top five pick, whether it was the Jets or somebody else. Yeah, that doesn't mean that the, the, the pick is right. Half the picks in the first round are right, half are wrong. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.